You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. This morning, I want you to open your Bibles with me. Luke chapter 14. We're going to read verse 24 to 35. We're going to share the scripture together. I want you to read. Follow with me in your Bible. I'm reading from the NIV 1984 edition. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate, look at that word there, it's really strong, and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. And anyone, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost? to see if he has enough money to complete it. For if he lays a foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any one of you, in the same way, any one of you who does not give up everything, everyone say everything. In the same way, any of you who does not give up Everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come around your throne this morning. We want to eat fresh manna that comes from heaven, the word of God for life, for living. Father, I know it's not your will that anybody, anybody should perish but have everlasting life. And I know, Father, that it's your dearest and deepest desire that every child of God would follow after the footsteps of Jesus. It's hard. It's hard, Lord. We need your grace to be able to do it. Father, this morning, release grace. Release mercy in the house. We have been taught different ways. We haven't followed you, but this morning, Lord, We choose to follow you. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. 
that we might prosper, that we might enjoy and live life to the full. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. Amen. This has got to be the worst motivational speech ever. I think that's an understatement. Large crowds are traveling with Jesus. He is at the peak of his popularity. Back in the day, a really good rabbi didn't actually stay inside the synagogue as they do now. In the local church, as we would call it, we've anglicized that we say church, but synagogue. So they had the temple, the headquarters, a big place where everyone worships in Jerusalem, but everyone was spread out all across Israel. You can't always go to, the, to Jerusalem, but you'd make a pilgrimage once a year for Passover. That's about it. So you'd go to your local church, your local synagogue, so that you could worship. And, but the rabbis of the day, they would travel around gathering disciples who would follow them. If you were with us and tracking along with a series, so we, we started a series this year and it's part of our vision statement for the year. Go make disciples. It's so simple. Just go make disciples. Jesus said to do it. And he said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Go make disciples. We are inundated with preaching and books and self-help bios and self-help help blogs. That's the word I'm looking for, blogs. And we've got all access to resources from across the planet. And yet our lives still have not shifted and changed so that we are actually doing what Jesus said to do. Go make disciples. I, I'm saying this and I'm not, I'm not trying to preach thinking you need this more than I do. I'm saying I'm preaching to me. Okay, as I'm preaching to you and I, I feel this conviction of the Lord this year so strongly that we need to go back and align with the word of God. So this is Jesus at the height of his popularity and people are following him. I mean, thousands. Think about this. There is no amplification. There's no magnification. There is no Internet. There's no social media and Facebook. There's no printing presses where you can put out posters and billboards so people follow Jesus around. Word got out. Word spread about this particular rabbi who's different from any other. And they had to find out who he is. They wanted to see who Jesus was because every story was better than reality. When they actually came to see him, oh, sorry, every reality was better than the story. They thought they were, uh, they were exaggerated. They were never exaggerated. The actual story was better than, uh, sorry, the actual truth was better than the story. They found it so hard to see this and think, this is unbelievable, more than I can imagine. And people followed him from different reasons. Some people followed him because he had a new theology and a new teaching that no one else had in that day. No other rabbi preached like Jesus did. In fact, they said this about him. He speaks as one who has authority. And I can't go deep into this one, but basically, when, when you are, have like a master's degree, when you're still doing your studies, you can't just write your own paper and not quote other researchers who have PhDs. So you're not one who has authority, but once you have a PhD, people are quoting you. Jesus was one who had authority. And whenever he said something, it was established and people knew this is truth. Jesus said, I tell you the truth because he can't lie. Everything he says is truth. And so he's got these crowds following him because of his teaching was out of this planet, out of the world. And he would tell stories. Clearly, he was a, uh, a masterful storyteller. He was so good at it. People were enraptured by the stories. 
And many would come to him afterwards and say, what did you really mean by the story? We know it's a parable. It's not just a story. There's a deeper truth you're trying to tell us. It's an allegory to something deeper. What are you really trying to say? And for those who are hungry, he would give them more. For others, it was because of the miracles and the healings, and they sought him. They wanted to be touched by him. They brought their friends to him. The story, the Bible tells us one story where four men climbed to the top of a roof with a paralyzed friend in a stretcher. Imagine that, climbing on the top to the top of a roof, digging a hole to be able to lower this paralyzed man down so Jesus would heal him. They went to all kinds of lengths to be touched by the hand of God. Still others, they wanted the miracles and the healings. They saw the feeding of the 5,000. They, they wanted to be fed. You know, they wanted a free meal. They wanted freebies all around. Jesus did all kinds of things. And at the height of his popularity, he turns around and he tells them these really hard words. You want to follow me, do you? Well, if you want to follow me, you got to hate your mother and father. You gotta hate your wife and children. You gotta hate your brothers and sisters. You gotta hate your own life. Are you, are you saying that Jesus was inciting hatred words? I'm not saying that. Again, it's a figure of speech. He's trying to tell you, unless your love for him is strong, your love has to be so strong that in comparison to your love to your husband or your love to your wife or your love for your children or your love for your brother or your love for your sisters, your love for your job, or your love for everyone else, in comparison, it's hatred to that other stuff. That's how much you're supposed to love God. Jesus was once asked, if you could sum up the entire Bible, all the law, all the prophets, there's so many laws, so many commands, how can you reduce it to a concept we can understand? Jesus said this, love God. And this is how you love him. With all your heart, heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, everything about you, love, 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 love him. And the other is like it, to love others as you love yourself. So deep is our love that people will know the Christians, they will know the followers of Jesus by your love. But what he was talking about, he's saying to them, look, I'm not after a crowd. I'm not after the accolades, and I'm not after the stadiums. I'm not after your money. All I want is for you to be after God's heart. That's what Jesus is saying. And so he gives them these really hard words because he wants the people who are just coming for the stuff to go home because at some point in time, they're going to be challenged and they'll leave everything and they will not be someone that Jesus can depend on. He's looking for the real deal. Jesus is telling them through this passage, I'm going to give you five things. Number one, discipleship is costly. You know, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. See, we, we love Jesus as Savior. We love that. And I'm so grateful that in our church, we see many people respond to the Lord. They raise a hand saying, that's me. I want to say that prayer. I want to know him more. But we don't see the carry across from a decision to discipleship. Jesus didn't just ask for decisions. He didn't just want to save you. He wants to transform your life and use you to do great and incredible things. But you have to follow him first. So despite all the crowds, he wasn't there to entertain them. He wasn't there to try and entice the crowd. He wasn't there to preach messages to make them feel good. 
I was actually told at one point in, in, a, in my pastoring career, you got to preach messages that make people feel good. Every message of, of the God will, will ultimately be good news. But not everyone is going to be happy the whole time. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We're going to be joyful. We may not be happy. Jesus said, consider, oh, sorry, not Jesus. The New Testament, one of the apostles said this, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you go through all kinds of trials and tribulations. He didn't say be happy about it. He said be joyful about it. Be joyful always, it says. So Jesus is not here to preach messages to make you feel good. In fact, he was preaching a message to push them away. What kind of motivational speaker does that? I'm not looking for a crowd. If you really want to follow me, I'm going to tell you what I'm after. I'm going to tell you what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. You can't manipulate Jesus. You can't buy Jesus out. You can't bribe Jesus. You can't negotiate with Jesus. And Jesus will not lower the price tag of discipleship. See, some people think, you know what, I, I, I love the Bible. I'm happy to do some things with the Bible. That's, that's, that's a good law. I like that particular rule, you know. That's really good that God will bless you. I like that one. I'll keep that one. But this other one is, is really hard, you know, to look after orphans and widows, to feed the poor. That's, 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 that's a hard stuff. I, I don't want to do that one. I like the other one. Worship the Lord. You go, oh, I love to worship the Lord. Pray. Oh, I love to pray. I love to do with other stuff. But these other things, I don't really want to do that. The title of this message is How Much? How Much? If you've traveled with me to Southeast Asia, you know what it's like for me growing up. There were no price tags in most stores. When department stores came around, it was great. You knew the price of an item. But when I was growing up, there was like one store that had that. But most other stores, there were no price tags. You always had to bring the product to the front. How much? <laughs> How much for that? And so began the process of bartering. Now, if you're Sasha Ferris, and I think even Sarah, Sarah's pretty good at this one, Sarah Marsha, weren't you? She knew how to bargain. We taught them, right? When you go to the store owner and you want to buy something, you ask them how much. They tell you a price, 500 ringgit. You tell them half the price, 250 ringgit. That's the game. And then they feign the, oh, and you just walk away. Wait, 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 wait. 400 ringgit la. And, and you say, 225 ringgit. Oh, 250, 275 ringgit. And then they say, no, 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 no. And you just start walking away again. Oh, come back, come back, come back, back. Okay, 300 ringgit la. Okay, I'll pay you 290 ringgit. And that's how it works. You're always asking how much. <laughs> Sasha made the salesperson cry. I mean, I think they look at this girl. Well, she's so beautiful. She's probably, you know, just silly. And, you know, she'll pay money. She's a white person from Australia. She'll just give whatever. Oh, no, she was cruel. <laughs> she really, she did better than I did. I mean, I can talk like a local sometimes. The people were drawn to Jesus. They were drawn to his incredible teaching that had no equal. They were drawn to his healing and deliverance. They were drawn to his miracles. But... Many were not willing to pay the price to follow Jesus. They just wanted to enjoy what Jesus could do for them. We don't understand that. See, we like in our world, we're used to that too. We've begun to barter. We've begun to trade. We use eBay. 
We use Gumtree. We don't just buy it from the store now. We're like, I'm going to find out if it's cheaper than eBay. Go on to eBay. We might even look at Gumtree. And come on, how many people use Gumtree before? Can I see those hands? How many people use Gumtree? Okay, Gumtree. You look it up. You never pay the price they ask for in Gumtree. You always come and say, okay, I, I've only, you know, how about $100 less? Okay. And they give it to you. So you always bargain the price down. So you begin to devalue the items. I remember when, uh, uh, I remember hearing this. If you try and buy a Lamborghini, I'm not even going to ask who's ever tried to buy a Lamborghini. None of us probably have. It'd be great one day to have someone with it. It'd be great. But if you go into a store that sells Lamborghinis, if you wonder what a Lamborghini is, it's a racing car, right? It's fast sports car. Not a racing car, a sports car. When you go into a Lamborghini store, you don't ask how much the car costs. Because if you have to ask how much it costs, you can't afford it. You don't ask how much. Because it's going to cost you everything. It's the same thing with discipleship. If you're wondering how much, it's going to cost you everything. There are some things that you cannot bargain or negotiate on like Lamborghini. This is the thing. We're so used to trying to ask for a cheaper price that we've carried that into our spiritual life. We try and negotiate with God. We try and bargain down the price of cost of the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. I want to do some things, but I don't want to do everything. And we begin to devalue our own lives in the way we live. Have a look at it. A girl who offers herself for love or attention. A boy who doesn't think he's smart enough and he quits on school. And some even quit on life. The divorcee who grabs hold of the first knight in shining armor that shows them love and affection, yet cannot see the cruelty or the dark side of their, their person and ends up in a more difficult position than before. I want to tell you, you are worth more. You are invaluable to the Lord. He loves you so much. And discipleship is worth so much. Don't try and cheapen discipleship. Here's the second thing about discipleship we see from this passage. Discipleship is radical. Some of you want to retain the same life you've always been living. But discipleship is radical. It will change your life. If you follow Jesus, it will change your life. If you follow Jesus, you can't keep doing the same things you've always done. I mean, the Holy Spirit is gentle. He won't ask you to change everything, but he begins addressing one thing at a time. See, Jesus is speaking words that are so radical. He's saying, you know, unless you hate your father and mother. I remember one person hauled me up. I preached a similar message years ago, and I was an assistant pastor at the time. Someone hauled me up saying, Pastor Paul, you did not preach the word of God. Because the Bible says that when you're married, you become one with your wife. So how could God expect you to hate yourself? Well, I said, I didn't make that up. This is what the Bible says. I had to lead them to the passage and the jaw dropped. I said, you need to understand this. Jesus is not inciting hatred. What he's saying to you, there's got to be such a radical love for God that nothing else could possibly compare with it. And yet, look at what we do. We so easily give up things in competition to God. We, we look at the way that we live our lives. When we think about Sundays, for some, and this is an epidemic in the church today, when we say that people, I mean, people claim that's my church, they might show up today about two times a month. When I grew up, you show up every week. 
because I made a commitment to the God. Church is not God, but that's where the Lord's placed me and planted me. So I'm saying out of my love for God, out of worship for him, I'm going to make sure I do not miss a single Sunday because God has something for me. This is my act of worship before God. I'm showing him, I'm telling him, you are my first priority. You see, Sunday is actually the first day of the week. And what we're doing is we're making a tithe of our time. In the morning is the best time where you're most productive. And you're saying, I will tithe my time by going to the house of God first above everything else. This is the most important thing. But what do we do? We begin to negotiate with God. We begin to devalue discipleship. We say things like, oh, my family came to visit. Look, I love you, and I understand this, okay? My family came to visit, so I can't come to church this Sunday. And being the loving pastor, that I say, oh, God bless you. We'll just see you next week. Hey, that's good. I do love you. It's very genuine. But I really want you to wrestle with what the Lord is saying. You cannot compromise with God. We compromise all the time. We compromise in our finances. I'm, I'm, you know, I, this is a hard word. Maybe we should get Giuseppe up there playing again. It's a hard word. We compromise in our finances. God says, tithe. Give your 10% to the Lord. It shows that he is, is Lord over everything in your life, over your finances. Tithe your time to the Lord in your devotions in the morning and prayer. Some of you start too early. Do it in the afternoon. Do it at night. But make him first. And we still don't do these things. The Bible says, go make disciples. We still don't want to do that. We try and negotiate. We'll say, well, God, you appointed evangelists to do that. That's Pete Mack's job. That's Marty's job. That's Phil's job. That's John and Yvette's job. It's your job. It's my job. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm supposed to go, and I'm supposed to make disciples. Eric Little uh, was made famous uh, in the 1980s of the movie. He was a famous Olympic athlete. He loved the Lord. He was known in his time period as the fastest man alive. But he refused to race on Sundays. He lost some points because he didn't want to do that. An up-and-coming Jewish speedster was wanting to compete against Eric. He wanted the title of the fastest, and he would win these races because Eric wasn't there. But whenever Eric was there, he could never beat Eric Little. But Eric refused to give up Sunday because he was a devout man of God. Sunday is the Lord's day. In the end, this man, he, he turned his back on his Olympic uh, wins and all his races and all the, all the envy, uh, all the fame and the prestige. Instead, he went and served the Lord on the mission field became a minister, became a pastor. The Bible is riddled with people who, who are would-be disciples of Jesus. The Bible tells us of a rich young ruler. He said to Jesus, I want to follow you. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Can I tell you that if you don't follow Jesus, then, then you don't inherit eternal life? Look at me for a moment. If you don't follow Jesus, according to the word, you don't inherit eternal life. These are the hard words we don't preach on the pulpit anymore. I'm here to tell you. It's not enough to say the prayer and think you're safe. Made it. Now I can sin all I want. Grace of Jesus will cover it. No, it's not like that. You got to follow Jesus. You got to take up your cross daily and follow him every day. That's what I say. Daily. Dying to yourself. Living for him. You're saying, God, you rule my life. You are the captain of my life. You are the pilot in control. What you want, that's what I'll do. That's how you do extraordinary things. As long as you put yourself first and you're in the driver's seat, you will never do anything for him. You'll never do anything great. 
But when you give it up and you say, God, have your way, things begin to change. And so Jesus began to speak to the rich young ruler. You want to follow me? This is a guy who's a ruler of a synagogue. So this is not an ordinary citizen. This is a guy who has been following the law that the Jewish people followed all his life. And Jesus said to him, okay, you want eternal life? Here's what it is. Sell up everything you have. Sell it and give all your money to the poor. Then come follow me and be my disciple. At this, the man walked away because he was very rich. His riches took a hold of his heart. One man would not follow Jesus because he was not willing to go without the comforts of life. Jesus told him, birds have nests, foxes have holes, a son of man has nowhere to lay his head on. Are you willing to come with me and sleep out in the cold everywhere and anywhere at any time? At this, the man walked away. Yet another candidate wanted to follow Jesus, but he says, look, can, can I just come after my dad dies and I get an inheritance? I'm just waiting because my dad's almost dead. Then I'll follow you. Conditions, negotiating, devaluing discipleship. But I want to ask you, what's your objection? Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is so precious. It's like a treasure in a field, Matthew 13. When a man found this treasure, he hid that treasure again. And in his joy, he went and sold everything he had to buy that field because only the owner of the field could claim the treasure, even though he found it. So he sold everything he had, forfeited everything for the treasure. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one pearl of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Jesus is saying, put all your eggs in my basket and I'll give you an Easter you'll never forget. See the Easter thing? You see what I just did there? <laughs> okay, never mind. Uh, thank you. <laughs> that was excellent. Thank you so much, Sarah. Number three, discipleship is a contrast to what the world offers. Jesus uses a metaphor of salt and light. And just like the people of the day, we understand the metaphor. Let me, let me put it in a way that you'd understand. I remember going with Pete Mack to Fiji in February 2012. Now, right now he's in, preaching in Vanuatu, where the pastor of the local area organizing all these crusades brought us home and we would have dinner with him. And he tried to honor me. And uh, I'm, I'm so sorry for the Fijians and the PNGs who might have similar food tastes. I come from Asia. Similar food, cooked differently. But anyway, they just wanted to honor me. And so they said, Pastor, we have taro for you. Taro. You like taro? I thought, yeah, I love taro. We have that in Indonesia. The Batsaks have it. We cook it. It's the most amazing thing. It tastes like soft meat. It's the most amazing thing. So they gave me taro, but it wasn't that soft. And it wasn't that tasteful. And I'm looking around for the salt. I said, Pastor, is it okay to have salt? Oh, yeah, yeah, we all have salt. And I'm looking at them, what they're doing, because I, I didn't want to dishonor him by putting salt, so I had to ask him first. These guys are putting tomato sauce, they're putting salt, they're putting pepper. I'm thinking, hey, if you got to put it on, there's something wrong here. you got to cook the sucker better. I didn't tell him that. I'm thinking that. You ever gone to, like, McDonald's? You ordered the French fries. It came fresh off. You love, like, fr fresh French fries. Come straight off that oil. It's hot. It's delicious. And they forgot to put the oil in. It just tastes like oil. Potatoes are tasteless. French fries are tasteless if they don't have the salt. You got to put the salt on there. Jesus is saying disciples are like salt. You can taste it. It makes a difference. Disciples are like light. 
You ever gone camping without light? I was in the boys' brigade. I was debating whether I should share this, but my wife is not here, so it's going to be safe. I was in boys' brigade. I was in sixth grade, and we went camping. And uh, it was just dark. I mean, you could barely see the stars. It was just covered. It was just dark. Couldn't see anything. And uh, that was a good thing because I had to go to the bathroom. There's no toilets. This is like full-on roughhouse camping. To this day, I don't camp, by the way. But here I am. You know, I'm going to sneak out. I really got to go. So I just waited a little bit till I thought everyone was asleep. And I'm just sneaking out, okay? I didn't want to show my flashlight. And I'm tripping over stuff. I'm falling on my face. I'm getting cut up. I'm thinking, this is just awful. I finally find a spot. And just as I was going, 50 flashlights focus on me. Those dirty boys found me. They're watching what I was doing the whole time. Light changes everything. In this particular case, it wasn't that great. But generally, it's a good thing to have light. If I had liked to see where I was going and they showed me a little bit of privacy, it would have been a good thing. But when we have a bunch of boys, 50 boys, it's never going to turn out that great. Jesus is saying, when salt isn't salty, it isn't doing what it's supposed to do. When a light isn't working, the darkness can be painful, annoying, difficult to work in. It is dangerous. Jesus is saying a disciple who is not willing to pay the price to follow him is like tasteless salt or a light hidden under a basket. Here's the thing I really want you to grasp hold of. We've often used that thing, you have salt and light, salt and light. And we do that in a way just saying, be proud that you're a Christian. We're at proud as everybody knows. Jesus was going a lot further than that. He's saying, if you don't follow me in such a radical way that people know you're a Christian, then you're not really following me. You are, you are tasteless salt. He's saying about the taste of salt, it is so pathetic that you don't even want to put that salt, tasteless salt, on manure. Because at least the poo has some use. You can put it in your garden, grow some vegetables, but you can't with taste of salt. The only use taste of salt has is to put it on the ground and ground it underfoot. He's saying disciples who refuse to follow Jesus 100% are like tasteless salt. But pastor, I do some of the things Jesus asked me to do. I understand that. But Jesus is not asking for partial obedience. He's asking for 100% obedience, 100% commitment. Just after the service ends, I'm going to show you a video of the youth last night. I want to <laughs> congratulate the youth and young adults of this church. We had 30 young people there last night, and I didn't know some of them. Can you give them a hand? You should really honor them. You guys are doing an outstanding job. 40 people at your last one, 30 last night. We've only just started as a church. And let me tell you about commitment. When you see the video, you'll see commitment from these guys. It was called Messina, and I'll show you a bit later. I don't want to take away from the message. But let me finish with one final thought. Discipleship is a ticket to the Father. If you want to come to the Father who loves you, you've got to, you've got to go through the cross. Jesus said, unless someone denies himself 
You cannot be my disciple unless you deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow him. A.W. Tozer once said, there's only one of two things you can do with the cross. You can flee it, or you can die upon it. Either you run away from the cross, or you die on the cross. That's the choice you make. You don't just hang it like a trinket around your neck, put a cross in your house, you know, just to remind yourself, you need to live the cross and wear it on your shoulders every day, living for Jesus. Jesus let the people know very clearly, I want you to follow me. I'm inviting you, follow me. But unless you're willing to take up your cross daily and follow me, you're just going for a walk by yourself. God is looking for people who don't care what their friends think of them. God is looking for people that don't care what the friends, you know, of Prince think of Jesus. That's what they really think about. They don't care about the comments that they get on Instagram or Facebook. They don't care if their friends start avoiding them. What they care about is what the people will think about how they love Jesus. They want to point the way to Jesus. We fight our entire life to stretch one day out more, just a little bit more. Michael Jackson used to sleep in an oxygen tent. You remember that? Because he wanted to prolong his life, but he never made it to becoming an old man. We use oil, oil of old age. We use lotions. We use anti-aging creams. We exercise. We eat like bunnies. See what I did there with Easter? We eat like bunnies. But you can't prolong your life. Jesus lived to die. And he gave up his life for you and for me. If you cannot embrace the cross, the comforts of this world will entice you. If you cannot embrace the cross, pride will fill your heart because the cross will humble you. If you cannot embrace the cross, envy will fill your heart because you can't bring your nice stuff and hang it on the cross with you. Jesus loved you so much. He was willing to give up his life for you. If you will not pay the price to follow him, the cost will eventually be too much for you. You are certain of hardship as a Christian. You are certain at some point to have persecution. Mark my words, you will have it. You'll fall away if you cannot follow Jesus, if you're not willing to make the price. There is no payment plan. There is no lay-by plan available for discipleship. You already have the currency. Are you willing to pay the price with your life? It's the radicals who cling to Jesus. When all the other disciples left Jesus, it was the 12 who stuck around to the last minute. When Jesus appeared before hundreds and hundreds of disciples for 40 days after he rose from the dead, Still, only 120 disciples stayed to pray and wait and do what Jesus told them to do. 
Are you willing to pay the price, the cost of discipleship? Jesus said, he who gives up father and mother, brothers, sisters, and everything he has for me will never fail to be blessed in this life and the life to come. You will be blessed. You lose nothing. You gain more. I want you to be serious with the Lord this morning. Stop playing games. Your eternity hangs in the balance with the game that you're playing. And Jesus is saying, stop playing the games. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Thank you for joining Life City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.